Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by Sambo and Johnny, two men more salt of the earth you will simply not find. How are you, chaps? Yes. Good. Good. I thought you were well, just going to respond with yes. Well. <laughs> I, yes. I didn't know how to follow up. Being called my what was the like the, like salt of the earth like like are we talking salt of the earth like just like, good people you know okay I wasn't sure if salt of the earth kind of leaned more like coal miners and Country you know pumpkin oh. yeah yeah I can't say I've yes. done many hard days work in my life <laughs> but you know some of those days on, some of those days on film sets you know when you're trying to trying to yeah. get that that one scene down and you're, you're running out of light and the uh the catering is waiting on. you know that can be yeah. that can be tough yeah that can be tough. you earn those calluses from all those focus pulls you know that's right that's right just <laughs> the one that just the thumb and forefinger with little ridged calluses mm. all the way up in a crescent shape yeah from from just pulling exactly. focus all the time it's not easy I think Kane Corns has those calluses. Um, so. Let's get into just from a uh, different type of pulling. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But it, he also loves to pull focus, you know, from the things that matter. Oh, Sam oh, brings it back a... around. Bat. Bang! Bravo. <laughs> See, Bravo. there's some fucking hard work for you. Look at that heavy Look lifting. That. Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> and down in the mines of humour. Look at the gems. You just found one. <laughs> Ring the bell for the surface. We found Digging a joke. A we found a joke. Digging up a segway now. Someone check their the canary. Yeah. Check the canary. Make sure it's not a dead one. A dead joke. Right. That's Tell right. you what, if it was a canary, the cats would have uh, played it in the football. Because as we said, we played a lot of <laughs> a lot of bird. And a lot a of bird teams. A lot of, a lot of avian, a lot of avian and aviation themed mascots this year in the early part of this year we have but not this week take it away jake no no sam uh this week uh after spending three weeks somewhat grounded geelong um mm. they <laughs> took flight themselves at marvel stadium flying against cat. the bulldogs a flying cat is it a bird is it a plane it's a bird plane um so Johnny, you and I managed to get down to this game. Cats and we the dogs. Did. With Jacko from the Market Sambo. Podcast. There's a, there's a uh, shout out. Um, one so did Uncle thing. Rob. So yeah. did... Um, Another shout out to Uncle Rob. Dave. No, no podcast, right. but worth a shout out. Maybe yeah. one day. <laughs> That'd be a lethal podcast. Right. If it's the started. Uncle Robo cast. Look out, look out for that one. <laughs> if it hits the waves. <laughs> um, Watch out. Ben from, ben from the Hoop Show and Bella also came along. Very good. Very good. Um, so it was, look, and uh, along with 41 other thousand people as well, we all <laughs> made it Probably there. only um, about half of them with their own podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> it's a booming industry know, post-COVID. Yeah. Everyone does their own podcast now. Yeah, yeah. That's right. The uh, if you could see a visual representation of all the the Patreon money flying from one person to the other in, in a football <laughs> stadium, it would, it would be like the Matrix—just green numbers, digital numbers like, flying everywhere. Yep. 
<laughs> and those who don't have podcasts have OnlyFans. I was actually, um, Sambo, in, in line being wandered. And the lady wanding me was recording a TikTok video at the same time oh, okay. for her uh, Patreon. <laughs> What's this got to do with OnlyFans? Getting wandered on OnlyFans. Getting wandered. Um, uh, that's she, on she my was, Harry she was recording a TikTok video. Coming up. Jake, Jake just mistook, mistook the uh, entrance to Marvel for a, a back alley way. Yeah. We sort of lost Jake for a bit there, and then he came lost back Jake, and he, he, <laughs> he stepped into the the uh, the back entrance of the uh, the Daily Planet down in. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was suddenly being wandered. Yeah, know, wandered uh, Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, um, I was wondering why you looked a bit shook for a bit there, Jake. We've all been there. If you're we've all right. been there, you know. So we've all wandered and filmed right. for TikTok. But why, um, who was filming? Who was filming with TikTok? The bloody security person. Oh, yes. yeah, definitely for the bit. Yes, a hundred percent. Just film. <laughs> I got so you lost. There, in, I got so, so lost in what was the know. part of the joke. What was the joke there? <laughs> I, did, I didn't know which. Welcome part of to the chaps. Was, I just didn't know which part of reality we were using. I know See, in general you use reality as a launch pad for humor. I just didn't know at what point we'd left the launch pad <laughs> of reality and uh, rocketed into the, the, into the stratosphere of, of humor. That's that's where you should have checked the canary. Because it would have told right. you where we were. That's yeah. Exactly. Canary was the canary was fucking dead at that point. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the canary in the humor coal mine was uh, was was well cactus. Yeah. The uh, basically the skeleton. canary. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Please, yeah, that's about it. Roll, well. roll the outro music. Um, <laughs> big game. There's a big game, chaps. Um, a separate thought, 200th episode coming up. Jesus Christ. Soon. Is this because we won? Can you always tell when the cats have won by the amount of, <laughs> the amount of time spent we on the podcast do. before we actually <laughs> yeah. talk about the game? Yeah. All right, uh, no, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Really? I'll, I'll forget I said anything, but 200th episode coming up. I, I would like to do something special. I don't know what that is yet. Um, might just well, want to get doing like a new calendar. <laughs> <laughs> a nude calendar for two hundred. You reckon, John? Yeah, why not? Well, twelve just months, three, three chaps. We can each we yeah. can each take four months of the year. Yeah. Done. Beautiful. Make I'm sure it'll fly off the hunch bills. Hunch bills. <laughs> Definitely. Raking the Bitcoin. People won't have to lure right. us down. <sighs> Alleyways to wander us for TikTok anymore. They can just no, get to the calendar. No, that's right. Just get the calendar. Just get our right. calendar. Yeah. <sighs> Cheeky chaps. Calendar 2023. <laughs> All right. On the show tonight. 2024. On the show tonight. We're halfway through. Probably. We're a bit late. Important. <laughs> it's important. Let's let's really nail down these details of this very real scenario. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can get that one on discount. 2023 for half price. That's right. If you buy it halfway uh, on the show the year, tonight. It's... 70%. <laughs> it's not a half price discount. It's not half price. I know it's only half the usable months, but we've got to make gotta, a living here. And you've got to make um, account for shipping as well. Absolutely. Shipping and the work yeah. that went into it. You know, it's not just okay. about keeping tally of the month. It's also the artwork and the, the production. Absolutely. Our expensive lifestyles, John's cocaine habit. Um, yeah. On the show tonight, we've got the Cats v. the Dogs <laughs> Week 12 recap. And then I like we've got how the I was the only one for... 
and just brush that <laughs> off. I mean, well, we also just, like that. We're glad yeah. we don't have habits, John. You know, we didn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really glad. Don't blame us um, for you being the only one with the yeah. cocaine habit, <laughs> the raging cocaine habit. Um, <laughs> um, the Patreon player focus. Just in case anyone needs to know, the uh, chapter is rated explicit for a reason on your podcast app. Um, the Patreon player focus will be on Lord Thomas Stewart. So you can look forward to that if you are a paying Patreon member, $3.50 US per month. Um, let's get into it though, chaps, before we focus in uh, through the Patreon microscope. We've got a big match to recap here. Going into this one, the Cats and the Dogs, Geelong riding a three-game losing streak. The Dogs were actually in a a vein of really good form coming into this match outside of that loss to the Suns the week before. Um, as I said, we were headed down um, to it. My take uh, on, on the game heading in was I thought, eh, they've probably got us covered by three or four goals based on what I'd seen the previous three weeks, based on the outs we had, just the general feeling I had. I wasn't like depressed about it. It was just, this is the hand we're being dealt at the moment with injury and some of the guys are, you know, having a difficulty stepping up, you know, to another level. So, you know, you asked Sam, how are you feeling going into it? How's the nerves? And I said, very, very, very relaxed. Um, Absolutely. And so, worded it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I went in and this turned out, Johnny, to be a seesawing fun Entertaining match. I think we said by halftime, one of the games of the season, you could still say that by three-quarter time. Um, sort of goal for goal. The Dogs started with the opening two goals of the game. The Cats respond with the next two. The Dogs get two after that. Geelong get two after that. They trade goals back and forth to halftime. The Dogs go in 8-7-55 to Geelong's 8-5-53. The Cats come out the gate with a goal after 46 seconds to Grian Myers. The dogs respond with two in a row. Then the cats peel off the final, what? One, two, three, four, five, six. The final six goals of the game. I was actually stunned, chaps, when I looked back and saw that um, the dogs hadn't, they didn't kick a goal after the 10 minute mark of the third quarter. That sort of passed me by on the night at the game. well, Johnny and so I were talking about it, and I'll, I'll let you keep going, and this isn't my overall thoughts, but it's just interesting because yeah, yeah, no, no. John, John and I had, um, obviously I watched it on TV, John watched it live, and I don't know if it's something to do with the atmosphere, but Johnny and I had slightly differing memories of the latter parts of the mm. game because um, John, John was talking about how he really felt like there was the, the dog's push and he was really nervous at a point and like we just mm. managed to repel. And I, I was saying that pretty much from towards the end of the third quarter. Once we went into the third, the third break in the lead, I was pretty chill. Mm. I, I, I cracked a kombucha and just and right. sat, <laughs> sat back and, uh, and like, yeah, culture just, going. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got to, this is when perfect time to think of these things, the nerves, you know, the nerves had been there That's and true. now I need to calm down, get the, uh, get the gut biome happy. Uh, very important <laughs> for any anxious football fan. Um, and then, <laughs> then I, yeah, I just, I remembered, I felt like we really ran out the last quarter and I'm really interested to mm. talk to you as well, Jake, having been live and also possibly go back and watch it at some point and see what the, 
the actual hell actually happened in that last quarter. <laughs> once, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, once Ollie Henry gold mm-hmm. at the 12-minute mark um, of the last quarter, that's when I, I, I felt fairly comfortable. Um, and... It, yeah, yeah, and, still, and to be to be really specific, to like I didn't, like, I was kind of similar, mm. and I didn't really think we had completely locked up until Gary Rowan gold, and then you're like, oh, it's beyond it. But I just mean like yeah. I don't remember. I remember f- fearing a theoretical push, a theoretical yeah. pressure from the dogs, yeah. and never actually feeling it. Whereas, whereas I think mm. I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but it seemed like John, you felt like there was a an actual push that you noted, and I'm just wondering if that's, I don't know, if I just can kind of tuned out a bit. Or if it's just a difference between the the energy at the game, like if if my mentality was making me see it in a way that wasn't actually how how it played out. I think the just the atmosphere of the whole thing sort of helps with that because the dogs fans were getting quite loud, and mm. when they would go inside fifty, it would get very you know boisterous and hopeful, and you know the crowd trying to move that ball forward. So I think it's probably a bit of that atmosphere was, you know helping that feeling of dogs are pushing pretty hard here dogs are coming plus knowing that dogs do can get a whole lot of goals on quickly a sort of especially late especially late and as i say if they get one here it could really open Mm. the floodgates because they had done it to the cats throughout the night where they're able to string real quick goals together really quickly and do some real damaging moves and um yeah, I just thought if they got that one goal, it sort of could start an avalanche, but Cats held on well mm-hmm. and did extremely well. Yeah, sorry about the tangent there, Jake, but uh, continue with you. No, no, <laughs> it's summary. fine. I think it's fine to get into it organically. Like, I think if you look back across the match timeline, the, the, the time where I thought that the dogs were about to maybe put it away for themselves, it's the opening probably 15 uh, yeah, maybe opening 10 minutes of the third quarter. We gold, and yeah. then they went behind, behind, goal, behind, goal. You know, so what, two goals, mm. three in the opening 10 minutes, and then scored another, what, two behinds. Because um, I think at that point, they opened the game up to the biggest the biggest lead of the match, right? Mm. To that point. Their biggest, yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah. Or, well, the, their biggest and, e- and the, ga- to the it, game, yeah. the game biggest until obviously we took uh, took it like at the end. But I think I think at that yeah. point I do remember the broadcast team saying that you know, or maybe yeah, maybe they equaled it. Maybe it was when he was lining up for goal. They said this would take it to the biggest lead, and then he hit the behind post or something. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, there was definitely so the cats... at that point that it was yeah, it felt like it was maybe maybe going to get a run on. Yeah, and and so finally, you know, the cats get accurate. They've had a few weeks where they've squandered chances. They were, um, yeah, sharpshooters on Saturday night. 15 goals, 7, 97 to the Dogs. 10, 15, 75. Really interesting game looking at the stats. 400 disposals to the Dogs, 324 to the Cats. 51 inside, 50s to the Dogs, 47 to the Cats. Geelong actually managed to shade the hitouts, 44 to 42. Tim English won 30 hitouts, um, but you had the combination of Segler and Blixarves combine for 40. Uh, I thought, again, that once Blixarves went into the ruck more in, in the sort of second half, he's just more dynamic. It's um, better that you say it at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and then, and I've got a bit of a theory about what's going on with that, why they seem to play Segler heavily in the first half and then they've phased Blixarves in in the second half. Um, I think it could come down to um, sort of getting a lay of the land to half time. How the mm. other team's setting up, you know, how, how much can we use Blixarves in the ruck if we want to in the second half? How much do we feel it's going to hurt us or or help us? Um, yeah, Especially because I, I, I guess know. we just... didn't know we didn't know yet if Blix was going to be best as a an offensive um, user or if Bont and mm. Pally was going to have one of those nights and we needed mm. to yeah. lock down Bont. And then obviously the the evidence became very quickly that it was English who was going to be the damager and mm. Segler just could not keep yeah. up with him. Might win a hit yeah. out here and there, but couldn't keep up with him. So as much as Stanley would be the overall preferred scenario here, but in, in lieu of mm. Stanley, then Blix is the next next best yeah. thing for being able to go in the ruck and also keep you know keep up with English and peel off when he can. Yeah, that's, that's as I said in our preview pod, I was worried about English, because I was saying to Jake mm. how he can peel off and be damaging in attack. You know, go he mm. moves up the wing into attack from defense, all that really well. And I was saying it'll be not super confident that Segler's going to be able to keep up with English. And it turned out to be right. English was getting up the ground, getting some good marks, shots at goal. I think he got what two got one goal himself. Did some good yeah, stuff in so. defense. And yeah, Segler just wasn't able to keep up. But yeah, I think once Blitz did take on that majority, it just seemed to run a bit smoother, a bit better. And English sort of no, Tim English influence got sort of vanished. Didn't vanish, but sort of his influence wasn't as great mm. as it was in the first half. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know, chaps, what your overall like takeaway was, but when. My feeling was when we kicked the two goals in a row to wrestle the lead back in the first quarter, you know, and then it became goal for goal, and you know, seesaw around. But it was those two goals, Zach Tui gold, you know, because they came out the gate, the dogs went goal, goal. Um, sorry, actually, we kicked three in a row. I'd forgotten that. So that was the little phase where I thought, okay, we're in this. Hmm. Was when the dogs yeah. came out, went bang bang in the side the first six minutes, despite us actually playing decently. Yeah. I was like, oh, it God. almost looked like business as usual for an early push from us to no avail, and then they get the next couple. Yeah, and then close goes bang, uh, Tui goes bang, Cameron goes bang, and then I thought we're 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 on, we're going to be in it. Didn't we're know on. if we were going to win it, um, but just across the night, my feelings were that confidence just got higher and higher um mm. you know they started to believe the young guys you know that trusting that their work was going to pay off and it did and the pressure was immense um and what were your sort I'll of just you general what, thoughts of the game my general thoughts were just i'm glad gary rowan is back i won't speak too much of him because i think there's a certain chap here that will want to gush more Rowan than any of us. Mm. So I'll definitely let him do that. But I'll say what um, what a crucial part he is to this Cats team. And I think everyone should 
realize that if they if they haven't now then i think this game it's a stark realization of what he brings to this team they are just sort of really solid performance for the whole team um well led by tom stewart from defense i thought he really relished that leadership role this this week um as sam was saying he seemed a bit angry a bit frustrated the last three weeks and i think this week is you know maybe just embrace it a bit more gone is what it is right before the bye let's relax let's just play the way they know how to play and i, I thought stuart played with real a real relaxed attitude well yeah like mentality of just going i just got to go back to my basics do what i do best the rest will look after itself and that's what i thought a lot of the other guys did as well they just seem to play the basics and not stress about doing the great things that they think they can do and it, it just worked and they the pressure was fantastic really enjoyed the pressure the attack the marking was fantastic the kicking was really good everything that we've been wanting them to do they've gone and worked on and fixed and as soon as they did that they looked threatening they looked real deadly and i'm happy with cameron he got gave me exactly what i wanted he kicked more goals in behinds this week which is exactly what i wanted him to do and it was only two goals one but if, even if it's that that's a step in the right direction and it's fantastic and he did that and he played it's crazy when you're at that sort of vantage point that we were there not to watch cameron and what he does is mm. it's just crazy it just pops up everywhere and he's just i still don't know how he's he's able to do what he does and where he does because he was said just everywhere he's in defense and he was in attack and he was in the midfield and then you look in the defense and there he was again it was insane but yeah it was general thoughts was fantastic overall game dogs were pushing hard dogs were playing pretty well we're playing well i thought you know they didn't have to do much more to really put that pressure on us um it's unfortunate that they were inaccurate for dogs fans but as we as as we cats fans know um you know if you don't take those opportunities with thought of pressure on it doesn't take much for the opposition to get a few quick to goals and it dints your confidence a bit but overall yeah. very happy um very happy and just glad that the cats were able to string a four quarter game together and looked pretty really good and healthy i don't think any injuries have come out so all round ticks wait for the breaking news story sambo what about yourself yeah yeah i mean just quickly to touch on a couple of things johnny said talking about cameron um i think i wasn't there live so it's not necessarily being live but it was just the way the game flowed I really realized how much ground cameron smith close and gary rowan cover between them like they just mm. they, they yeah they just don't stop running when they're out there and um i do wonder if you know i know it's been a while since anyone talked about tomahawk's injury but i do wonder if cameron was kicking a lot of goals earlier in the season because he was playing more key forward positionally mm. to compensate for the fact that hawkins wasn't Full health and maybe what we've seen over the last mm -hmm. couple of quiet weeks is a transition back to that kind of role he was playing 
later mm. last year where he was able to move around the ground a lot more uh, and he wasn't relied on as being a, a you know a, a key post up forward um it's completely speculating but he just seems to it's like his game didn't look dissimilar to the last three weeks it just looked like he was more comfortable playing mm. that kind of game and so I do wonder if he's if he, the expectation on him has shifted across the year in conjunction with where Hawkins is at. Um, and if we're seeing him really sort of gel into that sort of position. Um, yeah. But yeah, my, also, uh, my, sorry. This is just going to jump in there. And so I think also that certain player that I have, don't want to talk too much because I, I think you should be the one to talk about Gary Ron a bit more because, you know, favorite player and all. But I also think having Ron back has also just given Cameron that more confidence that he's able to do what he normally mm. does, knowing that there's Hawkins and Rowan backing him up. Yeah, and there certainly seemed to be an argument there for also having Ollie in the side. Mm. Like we've talked about that. How does that work? But there didn't really seem to be any struggle for for elbow room in that in that forward fifty between between all the all those lads. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a it was an intense game. Sorry to, to go all the way back to just broad strokes here, but I wasn't involved in the. I wasn't able to attend the um, pre-game, the the preview either. So um, it's a weird one, but I did. It was a it was an intense game for me, and I did say to you you guys conversationally um, before the the preview was that it really, as a lot of people have said, it came down to the midfield, and but I didn't know that we wanted it to be a shootout between the two forwards. That I felt like because one of them was going to have to end up being more accurate because that's just. That's just the the maths math mathematics of it. Someone's going to get more delivery and be more efficient than mm. someone else. And I felt like our midfield was obviously the the David in this David versus Goliath scenario. Um, I felt like we had mm. the edge in our defence. Um, you know, I, I felt felt like our back did our backline did have enough. Even without Radigalia, we have enough back there. We've proved it in the past that we've got enough back there to match the dogs forwards. But with our form in recent weeks, I didn't know how the forwards were going to convert. Um, and so I, mm. I had mentioned that I was fairly nervous about it. And I feel like it did turn out the way that I thought, which was pretty much it pinged out of the middle both ways really quickly. Um, but the, the, the large positives were that our midfield at least drew even. Like statistically, I know it's, it's, it's one of those games that's a little bit different statistically to the eyeball test. But I think overall, you would say that we at least kept pace with them in the midfield. Um, and so we got, got a lot of supply up to our forwards uh, and our forward line was really, really efficient. Um, I don't think, I think a lot of people want to talk about the dogs inaccuracy. And as we've talked about in recent weeks, you can add up the points and go, well, if we kicked all those, we win the game. And mm. I, obviously you can do those maths if you mm. want, but we weren't a hundred percent either. Like there was some, no. there were, there were probably three or four goals that we probably could have kicked and should have kicked like the two Blixars ones. I feel like he kicks oh, yeah. nine times out of 10 and he kicked, missed two within like 45 seconds of each other. Uh, there's a couple Stengel. of Hawkins ones that, yeah, there was the Cameron one hit the post, didn't he? Didn't yeah. He I did get a little nervous when um, we kept, I feel like there was a period at the start of the fourth, Quarter. Yeah, we kicked. Yeah, this is goal, goal, goal three stu- behinds, I think. 
No, well, we only kicked one behind in the last oh. quarter. This is what's weird to me is I'm going, this says we kicked three goals, one, but to me, there was this period of time where we were just squandering chances. Mm -hmm. So whether there was, I can't remember out on the fulls or maybe I'm thinking about shots dropping short or there was a time too, where we kept having good opportunities in the forward line and turning it over, you know, Mm. we'd kick it to English or, or or whatever, but I, I, well, the interesting, it wasn't a perfect performance, but. No, no, yeah. no, and and in a lot of ways, it wasn't far off the last few weeks. In a lot of ways, mm. and this is not to shit on the performance on the weekend. Um, no, of course not, and but... not also not one hundred percent to provide excuses for the last few weeks, but it is to point out some of the things we've been saying, which is there's not huge things wrong. There's a lot of small things wrong. So if you can correct some of them, suddenly you've only got a few small things wrong, mm. and. <laughs> And then you can, you know, I mean, Chris Scott was talking about it at one point um, in the presser after this game about something really, there was really specific questions about one of the goals they let through. And it was funny because he said, he's like, yeah, we'll look at that. He's like, that's that's just something that we'll look at and it'll take 20, 20 seconds to fix and you won't see it in our game again. And I thought that was really interesting just in terms of that perspective that, you know, I mean, he might be being flippant, but that there is, you know, that, I mean, these are professionals at the end of the day and we talk about these small things and generally when they can identify the problems, that it is just a matter of rolling the tape and fixing it in 20 seconds and everyone takes it on board and, and moves on. Um, but I, yeah, I was I was really nervous watching this game. I was, and I was just talking about the first, first quarter and, you know, you guys being live and that, but I, I actually watched the first quarter on my phone because the... Um, the the kids ended up being up really late and I was actually in the in the room putting them to sleep. And normally I'm pretty good at being holistic and whole and wholesome and you know, reading a story or like you know, doing whatever <laughs> in a nice a nice way. But I will admit I had a blanket over my head with my phone on and my Bluetooth head, <laughs> headset. So there was so there was no blue light in the in the room to keep them awake, but I did have my Bluetooth headphones in watching. And I was when I came out of the room, I came out bang on like about two minutes before the the quarter time break and i was really like i was almost shaking like i was so into it and so Mm. and it wasn't so much like oh we could lose this it was more that like i think i really suddenly realized like you were saying jake this is the the, the point of this that there was a real moment when my my very being realized how much we were in this so it wasn't like Mm -hmm. nerves of like i would lose it it was just like this real like sort of excitement of Holy, yeah, holy shit! We look really good. <laughs> um, and, yeah. I, and 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 something that Chris Scott said in the, I think it was the post game. I don't know if it was the midweek presser or his post game from last week. But he was asked about the hunger, had the hunger, and he dismissed it. And then people said, "Ah, oh, you brought up that. Do you think your boys are a bit satisfied after the final?" Uh, and and he said something interesting, which was that he thinks it's the opposite. He said a lot of our players may look a little off the mark. And he said, in his opinion, it is that they're a bit passive in the way they conduct themselves on the field due to a lack of belief in the, the caliber of player that they are, that they don't feel that they can, or that they don't feel that they deserve certain things that they're kind of happy, not happy, but they're like, they feel like their lot in life is to be B list player. Like I think, and I do think he was talking specifically about Atkins. I don't want to. I don't know for sure, but I feel like Atkins and his, and the type, um, the players that are fringe and the you know the it's really like we love the humility of players like um, mm. Atkins and even Blix Blixar doesn't have a problem, but he's a very humble player. 
most of our midfield crew very humble um and we love that but like i guess the 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 offshoot of that is that you can you can have a little bit uh, a lack of that sort of gut fire if you if you're human mm. you're humble and you're like i'm just here to help the team i'm here for the experience man and i do i do think that chris got he seemed to be that that was a focus during the week is making them see believe and realize that they are a premiership winning side and tom stewart and uh zach too talked about this after the last three game loss streak mm. earlier in the year in that it's not satisfaction and look how good we are it's more the almost imposter syndrome of are we good enough did we deserve that mm. maybe we just did that because mm. of Selwood. maybe we were carried you know that kind of thing and i think and i think that's why the eyeball test is different to the statistics this week is that i think that was one of yeah. the biggest things that looked different it's not that the players look hungrier or that they look put more effort it just looked like they believed they could win that mm. your your Bruins, uh, even Simpson when he came on, uh, De Koning when he when he showed when he showed moments of his his belief. But I think Atkins was a big one. You know, we talked about when when Bont came in towards the latter part of the game and threw himself around. Atkins got in there and 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 threw hands a bit. And I think that's something we haven't we've maybe lacked a little bit, a little bit like our fandom sometimes. Sometimes we lack a little bit of a little bit of the mongrel to go, mm. you know. No, we're we're here and we deserve it, and we're gonna we're gonna like fight for it, even if it's not pretty. Um, so it's a very long-winded mm. way of getting around to the fact that I think it was just a really gutsy win overall. Um, there's not a lot on paper that you can look at and go, oh well, we really tweaked this and fixed that and moved this around. Good coaching calls, obviously, but I think a lot of the I think a lot of Chris Scott's work was done during the week and how he focused on the mentality. Yeah, also just. You know, you're just saying it's just been one of those simple, bring the whole team in going, we don't need to change much. You all know how to play this game. You all got the skills. You all got the correct skills. You're in this team for a reason. Just trust. Trust in mm. yourself. Trust in your teammates. And you'll be perfectly fine. And, yeah, you could really see that trust was there, that, that the teammates for, were there for each other, that, um, you know, one player goes for a tackle and only one is needed for that tackle to land and they'll land it and then there's the rest of the cats are out there ready to pounce on the ball and move it on. And was, yeah, it was I think it was a Gary Rowan goal. There was Yeah. Who was it? It was um close was there, Grind Myers was there, Gary Rowan was there. They get the ball and they all just start pushing up and I think it's mm. Bruin or someone. Handballs to close, just keeps running. Handballs to Rowan, who's out on his own. He, didn't, he sort of had a quick glance over it of where he thought Garon would be and just handballed it out there going, he should be there. Yeah. And he was yeah. there and he kicked a brilliant goal. And I thought, that is the, that's the cats that we know. That's the cats of last mm. year. When they were on, they were everywhere and all the players were everywhere and they were running for each other. They were there for each other. They were backing each other up. Um, anywhere on the ground, and just, just you know, having belief that whoever was going for that ball was going to get it, and then you've just got to be at this certain point, and you'll get it. Yeah, and and the other thing, like a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, before the the three in a row, I think 
Jake, you were talking about like, what do you see where you know the cats are on? Like, what is the thing? And we talked about a few mm. things. But one of the things that I didn't think about at the time, but I was reminded of uh, on the game on the Saturday night is when, you know, talking about effort and hunger and, oh, you know, run harder. It's like, it's not running harder, mm. it's running smarter. And one of the mm. things we haven't necessarily seen is, and this happening against the Bulldog, is when the ball is turned over and the Bulldogs rack up possessions, right? It goes from the back 50, mm. kicks out to the wing, cut back into the center square, a couple of hand passes, kicked out yeah. to the, the forward pocket, and it looks dangerous. The dogs are on, and they, they're just stringing all these uncontested marks together. Oh, shit. And the cats are jogging. And by the by the third mm. quarter, and I didn't feel this way in the in the first two quarters, in the first half, but it became apparent by the third quarter that the cat's structure was back really well. Yeah. And there was a lot of jogging back because sprinting wasn't required. There was times when you're like, well, how is he mm. like how are they finding all these options? And the you know, the broadcast team were talking about the dogs transition out of the back and how quickly they were moving it up. But time and time again that happened. And then once the camera pans back to the broadcast angle, you see that there's a fortress set up in the back 50. And we've been jogging back because everyone's just been slowly merging back, you know, <laughs> falling mm. back into the spots where they need to be. Um, and and the dog suddenly found it really hard. And I think I felt sorry for uh, Smith to a degree, but English again, because English had so many damaging possessions, but it always felt like, so much was done. And then when it came to English's final disposal into the 50, you could just see a little bit of like frustration on his face of like, well, where to yeah. now? Like mm. he was doing so much mm. and they'd work it through and then he'd be around the edge arc at the 50 and you'd see some hesitation, some looking around. Like there was, I think we did really well at, at allowing them. And this is not, you know, I'm sure they played really well and they did some really good passages of play. I'm not saying we were toying with them, but I think we did. And this is what I was talking about pre-preview was that weathering mm. a lot of attacks, allowing the ball to pump out quickly, um, and you know, winning the winning the chess game. Not maybe not taking the queen, but winning the chess game. And that was to sacrifice mm. a lot of possession through the middle and set up in the back line. Focus on stopping them with deconing Stewart, Henry, like Collegeasny. Views those kind of guys. So I thought I thought that was a, a mm. barometer for when the cats are on that we haven't seen much this year. That really calm transition, not a frantic chase back unless it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. And like English, um, you know, had 27 touches, 30 hit outs, 12 marks, eight tackles, four clearances, uh, and a goal assist. Uh, played just about as well as he could have hoped to play. Mm. And yeah, there's as you. I think you've summed it up well in terms of the structure um, of it, and it's really interesting to hear them talk about this stuff. This isn't the first time this season we've heard about this. Um, it's not a, a satisfaction. It's not we're satisfied. It's actually we mm. we're not sure this group has some insecurities around it. We, that was what was talked about um, prior to the Hawthorne game. Yeah. Prior to that rallying point last time. And again, and do you know what's beautiful about this moment is that last time Geelong, you know, Geelong opens the season 0 and 3, and the questions swirl. And Easter Monday, Dangerfield turns it on, Cameron turns yeah. it on, 
and, and and you slaughter the hawks to sort of go, oh no, we are good. And then we go mm. on a run. This time, there's no danger. There's no Duncan. Um, you know, you're still no missing homes. those key. The, yeah, no, and the, no the key, specifically, like, specifically, yeah, like Guthrie, Duncan, Danger, <laughs> the, the three really experienced players who all played in that win over Hawthorne and played well. You don't have any of them. So this was a moment where a lot of young players, and, and as you said, guys who might see themselves as sort of B players or, or backups, as we described them, we said, you know, Atkins is probably the fourth mid on Geelong's team. Yeah. And, and he's being asked to play as a lead. And yet they stood up in a massive game, in a massive spotlight. And let's face it, the season was going to get really tricky. I started to look at the fixture ahead. I was like, if we go five and seven, then it's to Port Adelaide. We play something like eight of our last 11 games against teams currently inside the top eight. It's really easy to see how a, sleaze, a season can slip away. And yet these cats stood up without a lot of those big names in there. And we've still got big mm. names. It's not like we're a team of 19-year-olds, but got Jeremy it's Cameron. great to hear <laughs> that they're – it's yeah. great to see that they're stepping up um, and, and it's combating these demons of, of insecurity that are, you know, or as, as you said, That's... Sam, what's the, the imposter syndrome thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to get to some three-word reviews and then pivot into some more conversation I'm here just, gonna, just quickly. I'm just going to go on the, the young guys. Really impressed. That's what I'm pivoting to. Oh, so let let let, let yeah let, let me do, do these three yeah, let me do the three word reviews because then I want to talk about the young kids because the first one is impressive kids progressing, um, better without Sav. Not sure about that one. It's an interesting one though. I might get where they're coming from. It is a question mark. Uh, Gary they're, they're posing mm. it. They're not stating it. That's right. Gary yep. Rowan effect. Enjoy the break. <laughs> um. Very promising future. Brian Myers, elite. Gary Rowan, impact. Showed real pride. Uh, pressure, pressure, pressure. Uh, <laughs> fight, fight, fight was another one. Uh, kids <laughs> stepped up. Winning is good. Rowan, Stu, Mullen, uh, Stuart leading Kaji. Pressure, connection, youngsters. Boys beat men. <laughs> I like that one. Um Simply bloody awesome. Just love Rowan. Cats are back. Wonderful team effort. More like it. Real heart shown. Desire was back. Not quite there. And I think that that's a worthy thought as well, that it's it's not mm. the finished article yet. It's not the finished yeah, well, team either. When we, when we say the season is long to excuse losses, you've got to acknowledge the season is long when you have a win. Yeah, exactly. 100%. No so, so, Johnny, lots of the things week? about the youngsters. No Richmond supporters? No Richmond supporters. They figured it out. Um, yep. They figured it out. It's just for Cats fans. Um, but Johnny, the youngsters, um, and it was sort of typified on half time. Mitch Nevitt, um, mm. after the siren, and, and Jack from Markers Up podcast, second shout out there, um, turned and said to us, This is for the game. I believe were his words. Something to I that effect. So. You know? Um, and Mitchie Nevitt stepped up and Nevitt absolutely. Nevitt in doubt. I can't take credit for that one. That one's been flying around social media. socials or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But he just sunk it, John. He sunk, sunk it, it and he grabbed the emblem. 
He played he for the emblem. He did. Um, and I don't know. I think there was a lot to be taken from that moment, Johnny, and and the youngsters really stepped up. Yeah, the, the young, the young midfield, the young guys really. It was like they believed, as Sam was saying. It was that, you know, do they belong there? Do they belong in this team with the Dangerfields, the Camerons, the Hawkins, the um, Tommy Stewarts, mm. Zach, um, Zach Tuies, Premiership players? And it's like, do they, do they belong in this team of Premiership heroes that they saw in a Premiership last year? And I was thinking that it was, I was going to ask Phoenix Foster that when we had him on. It was like. I didn't ask. I forgot to ask him. I was like, I ask, what was it like being recruited to a team that just won a premiership? Was, is there like a bit of extra pressure on you? Is that extra thought in the back of your head that this is a premiership team you've got to get into? And maybe that's what Bruin, um, Nevitt, Bose, um, who else is in there at the moment? Um, Atkins even somehow for some silly reason. Um, Mullen as well. Ocean Mullen. All these guys just were they thinking that they belong in this team? And after this, well, yeah, they do belong in this team because they're good players. And I think this week they're just going, you know what? It doesn't matter if what I think, if if I don't think I belong, if the coaches keep putting them in each week, then they belong. And they really showed a lot of grit and Gut, um, gut and just, you know, the pride in the emblem, the pride in the hoops. The and emblem. Just, the emblem. And they just stood up magnificently. I thought really like Bruins game. He was probably his best game he's played all year. I thought it was a really four-quarter performance. Um, mm. Love close in that midfield. I just really enjoyed watching that midfield rotate throughout the game. It felt like every bounce, there was a different group in that midfield. And I thought that was a really smart move by the coaching panel. Just go, you know what, let's just not keep the same group in there. Let's just keep rotating it, give everyone a bit of a go, lessen the load on certain players. And I just, yeah, they're just all, well, there. They're just there going, this is our time. This is our opportunity against this elite Bulldogs midfield, we've got to stand up. We've got to fight for it. And they did. And The, cat, the Cats had just, 18 different players win a clearance. That's pretty good. On the night. That's pretty good. That's, the Dogs had 13. But we, the, we, there was some crazy midfield lineup, Sam, at different times. Johnny and I were like, okay, Segler in the ruck, Blixarves, um, Close, and O'Connor around the stoppage. And then you had um, Tanner Bruin. Oh, sorry, Zach Tui and Ollie Henry on the wings. And mm. it's just like, if you'd told us at the start of the season, yeah, you're going to go against the Dogs and you're going to have, you know, McRae, Liberatore, Bontempelli, and English up against Mark O'Connor, Brad Close, <laughs> and Tyson Stengel. Even even Rowan yeah, came yeah, back Tyson's... really deep sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet was... they, they get it done. And I, I don't know. I just think the interesting thing is, and we 
maybe it's because we've got sort of that old age care facility mentality down at the Cattery. But like, you know, when we say the young players stepped up, most of the players that we're talking about are in their early to mid twenties. Yeah. And for, for the, the guys in their early twenties, like Nevitt, as a, for instance, Brown. you know, he's, you know, Nevitt particularly hasn't played yeah. a lot of, of AFL footy. Um, and so for him, it's about, am I, am I good enough like for this ninth level? But for the guy. Game overall? Something mm. like that. Yeah, ninth <laughs> or tenth. And, and so for the guys in the middle ages, like Atkins, like, you know, maybe close, like Myers, Zach Guthrie, though Zach Guthrie's kind of had it for a while. Ollie Henry. I don't know. There's a, there's a collection of players in that sort of more like 23 to 25 range where it's like, they're now going what's this middle phase of my career going to look like? Like, am mm, I yeah. a good enough player to be the meat of this team moving forward? Because that's what you want to see. It's like you're moving into the prime years of your career. We know you're good enough to do something at AFL level, unlike mm. some of these other guys who are only just discovering that for themselves. We know all these guys can do it. It's now, can you do it consistently? Can you do it on a big stage? Can you do it when you're, you know, when in your head you might feel outgunned or when everyone else thinks you're outgunned. And I just thought there were so many moments um, on the evening where they just worked their way out of problems. They responded yep. to being down. You know, I was just trying to have a look at, you know, two, it wasn't, three. You know, yeah. they fell behind three times or, or more than three times. One, two, uh, three. Four, they had four times where they fell behind in this game and came back every time, and they never and eventually ran out of the game. So, yeah, so yeah, and there were there wasn't really just, any panic under pressure moments, even like we've seen previous weeks under more less pressure. I would say, <laughs> like less a, less pressure from a lot of other teams that we lost to, and you saw moments like when Nevitt got sold down the river <laughs> in the back line like last week and tried to get out of trouble. Um, I mean, Sav didn't play that night, but you know, Sav's had some moments. Um, even even some of the older boys had, had some moments, moments in, in 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 the back where you know you just make some questionable decisions under pressure. Whereas against the Bulldogs, we you know it's been one of the highest pressure games we've played this year, and there wasn't really a whole heap of gaffes that you'd really take note of. Um, but I think it's, it's a good point, Jake. You're talking about those mid range where it's you you can't coast by on being a rookie anymore you, you're not you can't get away with ah oh, well he's young but you're also not yet fully locked in the side and in and in in possession of a, of a footy identity of what you bring to the team yet so it's a it's a real sort of being jettisoned off into uh into open waters um and you're mm. gonna kind of chart yourself to where you're going next so it's a it's a it's a somewhat of an overlooked hurdle i think in a in a footballer's career the part where you're, yeah, you're not, you're not a, a young, building. young rookie anymore, and you're not yet a, a fully fleshed, um, mm. sort of senior player. It's that 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 bit in between where you got to got to scrap and find your your purpose. And I tell you what, I think never basically found his purpose on Saturday night. That was just a one of those games that I think we'll look back on Nevitt's career and go, this was a game where he just he just believed. He's it was like the from the Matrix where he goes, he's believing. It's like yeah. he's believing where in is, his own ability. 
And where where is his his like you know uh, talking about a purpose then like where is his set I mean I know we chuck people around a fair bit but if you're running out every week generally you're going to run out at the start of the game in a set position where is his set position and this is me talking out of ignorance a little bit like I think he's moved around a fair bit but like yeah what what do you think if he think, say he in a, in a scenario where he is fought into being a lock starter like we've got superstars back and he is also just playing well enough to be in there what what specific position do you guys see him playing it's a tough one because for me he's not he's not he's not a bruin where you you know where bruin's playing most of all he'll be up and down a little bit the ground but generally he'll be through the middle doing something i think on the wing position would be really suited to him because i thought he was he's able to get up and down the ground really well he's got a great leap great mark great Marking um hands. There was a few moments Saturday night when he had it, and I was like, "How's he going to cope with this pressure?" And he coped with it fantastically. Like when he was he was getting tackled a few times, and he didn't seem to panic. He looked for a player, got it out to them, tackled really strongly. So I think, yeah, I think on the wing, I think he's got that frame to I... run like Isaac Smith, and he can mark. He gets up and down the ground really well, kick goal nicely. Yeah, I think even half back wing somewhere along there. That's where I was more leaning was that sort of half back flank kind of role. Mm. Um, he had I mean, I, cer- I certainly 11... looked looked into the rooms and seen where the magnets are. So this is just speculation, but it does seem like he's sometimes he's playing quite forward, and sometimes he's wing, mm. and sometimes mm. he's half back playing an interceptor role. You know, some weeks, just, depending on who's there. So, sorry, Jake, you just, keep going with it. The plan that. You know, no, you're... the midfield would change around, and so will the wing. The wings were changing around, so maybe it was just he was yeah, playing but where even, he needed even to just, play. Even like I think we definitely had a, a fluid system on Saturday, but even just week to week this year, I felt like Nevitt has seemed seemed to run out. He's not always seems to start. He doesn't even always seem to start where they've got him listed as starting. Mm. Like just because he's list, listed as right half back doesn't mean that's where he's going to be at the first bounce. No, he's probably left wing. The, the, <laughs> the things I've liked about his game, um, like watching him when he's been in the VFL, is he does he and Dempsey. I think both. I'm still trying to work out where Dempsey's going to fit. I was saying mm. this to Jack of the Marcus mm. Up podcast um, the other day. I'm like, I just don't know where Ollie's going to fit yet, and be, because he's sort of got an interesting kind of skill set where. He, yeah, I'm. I'm just. I guess I'm still trying to work it out. Where Where does he fit in the side? And um, there's definitely something there to like. And it's now just mm-hmm. working out where that translates to the next part of the game. And Nevitt's Nevitt's been a little bit the same, but I sort of agree with you. There's elements of Isaac Smith. I think they like Nevitt's kicking. Mm. It's something that was big in the VFL um, win over Werribee this year, where it was like. They really wanted to run the the transitions and, and particularly putting the ball into attack through Nevitt's boot. You know, um, it seemed like they were really trying to get it to him so that he could launch it into attack by foot. They they like his kicking. Um, I, I yeah, I, I think there's so many nice things to like. And, and the reason I guess I think about him playing his versatility. You want him to get the ball in space, I reckon, with the ability to pick targets and stuff because I think he's got a really nice kick. 
but you can float him forward or he can play down back because he's worked hard to improve the pressure part of his game, but he's also a really good contested mark. Hmm. So that works in the forward 50 and it works in the back 50. So and great tackle. There's a lot. Great tackler. Yeah. And I, th- I think there's a lot to like, and I think that's why he's continued he... to sort of retain his spot. Here's in the a question. AFL side. Yeah. Is he being molded into the next splits? Well, we talked. Who did we talk about that with? With Sam DeConing earlier uh, earlier yeah. in the year. Well, I, I don't think you'd ever seen pinch hitting in the ruck. No. Sort of thing. But I. Th- but I think but you can just never. use him. Mm. Yeah. I was trying to. What are the what? What is his height though? What is his height? Because I was looking. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was literally just trying to uh, trying to eyeball it when I was watching the game. He was standing nearish blicks. And I was like, it's funny, funny that John said it because I was just trying to go. Is he somewhere in a rock height? Is he? <laughs> is he approaching? That? He's one ninety four centimeters. Um, okay. I'll just see That's... if I can bring up Mark Blixarves. Certainly not a short. Uh, he's one ninety eight. He's one ninety eight. Yeah. So, so not that far off. Tall. Depends. He's, he's he'd want to. He'd want to put. A, he'd want to put a little more meat on the frame if you're going to be going in <laughs> against yeah. Tim English and, and the like. I think. I think that's where he's sort nearly of, Jeremy uh, Cameron's height. I think that's Jeremy Cameron's. That's where I think maybe they. Maybe that's where. Maybe that's where they are going to go. Well, you don't have to frame to be able to ruck or do everything that Blitz does, but we're going to start you on the basics of what Blitz does well, and that's the running. You're kicking and tackling, mm. and as you know, your body develops, you build muscle. More will be added, so possibly, maybe. And to, to transition just, into talking about, oh, sorry, is this more about Nevitt? It's just going to say it's just uh, yet another player, and I don't know if you're about to talk about Blixarves, but I, this struck me on the I night. Was a little when we're rolling, when we were rolling with all these different midfields, I went back to the Bill Belichick New England Patriots thing of like them recruiting players because they want people who can play any position. Um, you know, and that's so how I I just thought Scotty's in his bag here when mm. we were getting Stengel and, and others through the center bounces. And I just think they must love players like Nevitt who it's like, yeah, we could play him down back. We could play him up forward. We can play him on the wing. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. And it would cause anyway, absolute yeah. havoc with the, with the opposition's, um, strategies if someone's especially if there's any kind of tagging involved and someone's like you're following such and such and you know at the last goal they were they were up in the forward line and now we're, we're setting mm. up for the center bounce and they're 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 set up behind the ball in the in the midfield it must um, be a nightmare to be able to go just you'd have to be on it all going just going who's in that midfield now oh shit mm. they've got them in the midfield now yeah ball starts about to ball up you yeah, can't change it now too late um Game's over. Yeah. Whoop, there yeah. goes gravity. And that, that kind of also transitioned into the general thing I was going to talk about, which was Blix, but also you mentioned O'Connor, Jake, and then just for the fourth shout-out already, uh, talking to Jack from the Marcus Up podcast on the JBSC uh, prior to the game, and he was asking who would tag who if he felt like O'Connor was going to come in and tag, if Blix was going to tag Bont and Pally. Um, mm. and, I, and I theorised at the time, that we're in no position to play a negative sum game against the dogs mm. Um, mm. that we really needed. I think we needed to, and I suspected we would throw all our chips on 
um, backing the back line to, to repel the attacks, but mostly we're thinking forwards. We're not, we're not really thinking about if we lose a clearance, is there someone with their hand on Bontempelli's shoulder that, you know, just straight away, like, that's your job. Just watch him all night, watch him all night. Uh, and that's something that we would have done in the past is play that really, you know, sense for sense kind of like, we're just going to win a war of attrition here by making your most effective player less effective if we can. And then, and then your second best player less effective. And then your third best player might get away and he, he might have a better night than usual because your other two are, are, are locked down. But I really felt like we needed to just accept the swing of the game, accept the way the ball moves at Marble Stadium and it's going to bounce down there mm. and Tom Stewart's going to have some work to do. Uh, Tom Stewart and the troops, but mostly thinking forwards. Um, and I thought we saw. I thought it was really interesting to see O'Connor. I know O'Connor sometimes did the job on Bonton Pally, um, as did Atkins, as did Blix. They all <laughs> they all had a crack, but it certainly wasn't mm. a tagging, um, take him out of the game kind of role. It was just he's got the ball. He's my man. Like very traditional. That's that's mm. who I'm on at the moment. Um, and O'Connor, as you mentioned, playing in the midfield, but playing. As a midfielder, not as, not as a, a just a follower or a chaser, he was he was also mm. getting getting some ball and and laying some tackles on people that weren't just his player. And um, I thought we really saw that. I thought that that was something that um, I felt like we would see, and we really saw them just go. We need to push forward when we can, and when it mm. goes back, we just need to trust the defense um, and set up for when it's going to be repelled. Um, rather than play any kind of like, let's somehow lock down this dog's mm-hmm. midfield. <laughs> um, so I think, I think that, I think that was, um, very evident. Um, but yeah, if you, if you guys want to talk about Blix, I've waffled on about that, but I thought, I thought he had a really good, it's going to be interesting come votes time. I'm still not locked in, but I really felt like, um, there's certain players that really, flew the flag and definitely are probably the front runners to be getting the three votes. Mm. But I thought again, I was like, it's really hard not to give Blix votes every, every, every week. It really is. He's a weapon. Well, he's a freak. He's crazy. I actually that, think we that should mark on the goal line was insane. Oh, that was I think we should get well. into votes. Let's do the votes. I reckon it's votes time. Um, because the other thing is we might talk about this game some more. Um, because there's no game preview to do this week. True. I mean, there also no. will be a game recap to do. So we're going to no. have to come up with a couple of extra. extra That's right. Because there's so many but more things I one... want to talk about with this game. So I'll, I'll zip it and That's... we'll, we'll, we'll <laughs> get back to it. Down, the next so one, we'll, it. we'll probably do our month in review, which is normally a section only for Patreon subscribers. We might just do a whole show. We might do an hour on a month in review. And maybe after, maybe, maybe we could do our. Um, the Monday night show next week as uh, a season in review so far, because we're sort of, we're at our buy now, look back at the whole lot sort of thing in, in, in the sum total. But anyway, let's do votes here. Um, I'm going to go first because uh, mine, it's tough to leave anybody out. But having said that, this was actually relatively simple for me knowing which three guys I wanted to put in the votes. I'm giving one to Grian Myers, 20 disposals, a goal, eight marks, four tackles, two clearances, three goal assists. Uh, he led the 
cats for inside 50s equal most with Mitch Nevitt. They had five inside 50s each. Just, I don't know, he's a weapon. He's, a, he's just this little weapon. Um, I'm giving two votes to Mark Blixarves. Like a lot of players, you learn so much more about their game watching live because you see them coming. He's like I said to uh, Uncle Rob, I was like, he's a monster. You see him coming from the deep sort of thing, and then suddenly he's, he's involved in the marking contest. Um, yeah, I, I can't imagine how hard it must be to play against him. Blixarves, one goal, 17 touches. He led the Cats for contested possessions, 12 of his 17 uh, were contested, three marks, seven tackles, second most clearances, second most tackles for the Cats. Um, and if you look at the pressure acts, he was the fourth most, 26 pressure acts as well. So he, he just does everything. He pinched it in the ruck. He's ridiculous. He's one of the best players in the league, full stop. Um, but my three votes go to the guy we're going to be Patreon player focusing on, and that's Lord Tom Stewart. 27 touches, a goal, 10 marks, um, led the Cats for intercept possessions, led them for spoils, I believe, or was second most. He was outrageously good. He was just everywhere. Our um, saviour. Flying through the Our air, Lord and spoiling things. Yeah, felt very. I was very happy for him. Because, as as we've said on the pod, we theorise that he wears those losses really hard, and and sets ridiculously high standards for himself. Um, Sambo, How what do you got? His goal. He's got oh, so. Cool. I'm just you just knew he loved it was going it too. in. Like I, yep. yeah, yeah. <laughs> celebrated a lot, and and I said to Jake, it was I it was actually it was both of you, I think maybe I said it was like a like a Chapman yeah. goal from the from yeah. the heyday, just the mm. just the way he hit, the way it came off the boot, the positioning, the way the everyone got around him, and you just saw like you could see it happen in like slow motion, the the seas parted, and he just went, hang on, all right, <laughs> I can I, I can have a ping. Uh, yeah, I was very, very happy for him. My votes are largely similar. Um, I'm just going to swap in um, Gary Rowan because I can for my one vote. <laughs> Brian Myers, statistically, of course, deserves the votes, but I'm sure he's getting lots of votes. And actually, talking about getting lots of love, this this applies to both Myers and Rowan, actually. is something that I have loved this week. As much as tune out of the media and blah, 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 and they talk shit. They do talk shit, but that doesn't mean it doesn't feel really nice when they talk positively about your team. Ignore when they're saying bad things and just tune in for the good things. It's confirmation bias, bias of the highest order, but it feels good. Um, and and it's, it's really, really good to see, like, straight after the game, how many commentators and media personalities were focusing on Gary Rowan and what he brings and both Moons and, and Lordo were talking about how, you know, we, we, we've all realized, and they say we've realized as if we've all, all only just realized this. I would like to point out the fact that in 2019, I was saying this, yeah. sat on, sat on the, the, the lounge room carpet at Johnny Larkin's house talking about the cats. I mm. was talking about this, <laughs> how, how Gary Rowan, doesn't bring you it took him four years yeah he doesn't he doesn't bring you 25 disposals you know he he doesn't he doesn't rack up possessions 
he only gets eight touches, but those eight touches mm. are a highlights reel. Every time, like you know, like there's there's no there's mm. no rubbish amongst those. Generally, there's no no rubbish. Even when he doesn't get a touch, when he crashes a pack and doesn't take the mark, and it's it's not a stat. He's crashing. He, he's he's destroyed the defense. They three bulldogs players have gone up for a mark or a spoil, and he's interrupted all their plans. And there's a there's a loose ball in in their back line. His chase down tackles are the best in the game. I don't care who else yeah. you want. <laughs> who else you want to throw yeah. at me? I will. I will fight for the fact that he's he might only get two tackles a game, but they're they're phenomenal. And his his Better effort, ones. his second efforts. His tackles, his run the chase down tackles are the type of tackles that can turn a team's confidence. Yeah. Both ways. Tone it setters. lifts your team. Absolutely. Um, smashes the other team's confidence too, especially when it's one of their stars that just gets run mm-hmm. down from behind without realizing. He, and, he's, and he's a team player as well. Like he just really gets around the team and brings them into it. Um, yeah. I think he's so important. He's so important. Even Lordo called him the, one of the, one of Geelong's barometers, and I I thought that it was really, it was a really uh, proud moment for me because I I could be very very chuffed that I've been saying this was justifying myself for so long, and finally the general media have caught up. Um, but just quickly on your your lad Grime Myers, Jake, um, mm. whom whom you gave your one vote to, I thought it's it was it was hilarious to me that that in this day and age, and even us like we've doubted Myers too. But I just loved that post game. Everyone's talking about Stuart, of course. But pretty much every coverage goes. Oh, Gary Rowan was immense, and that just to me goes. You know, this is this is just fantastic and hilarious. But you've got the media talking about Grimeyes, and you've got Luke Beveridge in his pressure when when his presser after the game, and they're saying what went wrong, and he's going, oh, you know, you're giving space to to grind Myers on the arc of the fifty. You're not closing down his options. Um, you know, you've got the he's he's the best. He's the best in the game. Mm. at delivering inside 50 and you're not closing him down. And I'm going, this is this is like topsy-turvy land mm. where you've got people, someone mm. talking about Ryan Myers. And I know Ben from the Hoop Show must be, ding, 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 must be loving <laughs> the Grian, <laughs> Grian Myers love because I know I know uh, he's, a, he's a big Grian Myers fan. And, yeah, I just thought it was really funny. Mm. I, don't think, I don't think I've ever sat there. I know statistically he's been the best, um, you know, mm. he's, he's been the best at, at score assists in the comp. But I don't think I've ever sat and watched a presser where the opposition coach has singled out Grind Myers as being like, you can't let Grind Myers do that. That's when you know you're, you've lost the game. Mm. I, I just love that. I, I love that he's getting, he's got like an aura around him now that people talk about Grind Myers the way they might talk about uh, Jeremy Cameron or, or, or Dacos or someone. You can't do that. You can't let mm. Nick Dacos do that. And now it's, you can't let Grind Myers do that. Um, and the one thing I'd love, really happy for him. Say- Love hearing about Grind Myers is they go, you know, he's got a really odd kicking action. And now they're going, that kicking action is so odd, but it's also deceiving the mm. defense completely. And, and, they have no idea where he's going to kick it. It's a little different to the Gary Rowan one, too, because I think Gary Rowan has largely been doing this for a long time. No, I didn't realize. I think the thing with Myers is he has realized how to use his kicks better. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't reach beyond himself, he doesn't try to kick it. Like Isaac Smith, he tries to kick it like Brian Myers, and yeah. he has now embraced that. And also, the team have figured out more what his role is, how he helps the team. He's not there to kick three goals and help the the um the big four. And we've talked about this ad nauseum. His his role is very specific. Um, 
but I just, and this is, sorry, I've talked so long. I've only done my one vote. I just wanted to quickly talk about a clip the other day I saw of Thierry Henry from Arsenal. Um, yeah. Which, any excuse to bring him up, I think he's great. Uh, and he was talking about, um, as a forward, he used to get annoyed when the ball didn't come to him, when he'd make a run and they wouldn't kick it to him and he'd throw his hands up. And, and he, he said that he would, yeah, you get annoyed at the delivery not getting to him. And I can't remember if he said it was, if it was Arsene, the coach that said it, or another player. But they said, do you, do you run the same for Dennis Burkamp as you would for Freddie Umberg? Do you, do you run the same mm. when, um, when Sol Campbell is running up from the back line? Say, like, do you, do you run the same? And he said it's the first time anyone in his career, as a forward, he had thought of himself as, I make the run and then the midfield gets it to me. But he, and he said he, from that moment on, he flipped it where it was about who was delivering it. You would see your teammate, figure out which one it was, how they like to kick. This person likes to chip. This person likes to do a, a through ball at an angle. This person might like to take it on a run and then cut it back to you. And so you, you apply your run and your lead to the person kicking the ball, not just to how you want it. And I think that just applies to Grian Myers. So I think not mm. only has he figured out what he does, but the team now goes, it's Isaac Smith with the ball. I'll do this. It's Patrick Dangerfield, Mark Blixars with the ball. I'll do this. It's Grian Myers with the ball. Therefore, I will do this. Um, and I think that's just a, a small thing that probably doesn't really get looked at. But mm. I think it's 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 there that the way the team moves around Myers is also a huge part of how how effective he is. Um, two votes to Blix, three votes to Tom Stewart. Sorry, John Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Johnny, um, what do you got for us? My votes are slightly different. I'm giving my one vote to mm-hmm. Blitz. I'm giving my two votes to yeah. Nevitt. I just thought that was just mm-hmm. a outstanding go by never like a breaking out out breaking game for him and i just really love watching him play and that that mark and goal was just it was one of those moments in the game where you're like shit yeah, this is good this is good and then my three votes is going to the savior tommy stewart because he was it's the nine it's it was just one of those games where Ball was going inside fifty. If and we saw Tom Stewart near, it's like that's Tom Stewart's ball, and it was. He'd either spoil it, he'd either mark it, or he was on the ground level to get the ground ball, and just. I don't think there was one moment where he did a bad, a bad thing. Where it's one of those things so, where you know we've talked about how how De Koning and Guthrie have become like B scored Tom Stewart's and you're like, oh it's just Tom Stewart. And then when it cuts into the close up, you go, oh no, it's 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 Guth it's Guthrie. I feel like that night was against the dogs was, you'd go, oh it must be Guthrie. Oh no, it's Tom Stewart. Every sure. single time you thought <laughs> it was maybe Sorry. one of the others, it was always Tom Stewart. He was just it was always everything. Tom Stewart. He was just doing everything and everything he was doing was coming off perfectly and it was an immense night by the captain at the moment. He um, and yeah, yeah, he looked happy. He looked excited and just pleased to be out there doing what he knows, <laughs> what he needs to do. A thing I love about Tom Stewart is that he plays with an edge. Like, uh, it makes me anxious sometimes. 
you know, because it can lead to bubbling over, you know, the suspension last year. From you know. by descent, maybe. Yeah, that's yeah, true. But I, but I love when you watch him on the game, if he has a chance to make a player think twice about whether they're going to take a mark here on the lead or am I going to, you know, get my hands clobbered as I take this mark by Tom Stewart's fists kind of thing. Like, I think it's it's part of all of the best defensive players is that they put doubt into the minds of the forwards that they're playing on. And, and yeah, you, we can't have players going, you know, straying into chaotic violence or anything like that, but it's part of it. Like it's part of the, it's, mm. it's a physical game. And part of that is, is you want that forward thinking about the footsteps. Yep. that are coming behind you. Um, Anyone thinking, is you know this what Tom it's like? Stewart? Yeah, is this Tom Stewart who's going to make me earn this mark and I'm going to have to really, you know, I'm going to have to go in hard here and credit to the players that do go up against Stewie um, because, yeah, he's uncompromising and I like that about him. And and I particularly like, uh, like on Saturday night where it was, you know, mostly reined in. Um, as you said, outside of that one fifty meter penalty, um, I just want to cheat here and throw a couple of thoughts in that I had that you, based on some stuff you guys had said earlier in the podcast. Just little sum up things for me. Johnny talked a lot about the young players, mm-hmm. um, you know, expectations and and you know all that sort of stuff. They've now shown themselves to be capable. And so we now know it's possible. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was saying going to this game, I'm, look, I'm not, I don't, my expectations are not that high. My expectations have now been raised. And I think what they should all feel proud of is that they've just earned a higher level of expectation. That's they've earned themselves. They've proved that they're, they're worthy of higher expectation. Um, and they absolutely are. And the other thing was just about, Gary Rowan, as you know, like people talk about the barometer player and that sort of thing, you know, and this is an interesting one that I heard uh, in Cameron's college football or something where they talk about, you know, I th- you know, the, the sort of thermometer player, you know, you can tell it seems, you know, hot sort of thing by looking at well, what's the reading, you know, this player indicates the reading of how hot a team is kind of thing. But the really important players are the thermostat players, the ones mm. who can actually adjust the temperature in the room. Um, and I, I actually feel like that's the category that Rowan fits. He's, mm. he's, he's actually more than just a barometer. He's, he's a thermostat. He can, he can turn it up for Geelong. And there's only a few of those players in every team. And and he's definitely one of them. So, in the in right. the post in the post game, he's never not covered in grass and like paint from the signs. Yeah, yeah. he's just always yeah, exactly. he's always covered and get bandage around his nose the other night and <laughs> looked like Frankenstein's monster. His tackles, um, they it's sort of like something that should go in like a David Attenborough documentary. There's something National mm. Geographic about like the way he suddenly sort of. Love to see that replay. You know, like a few hundred frames a second. <laughs> well, our, our, our Uncle Rob was saying we were laughing. It was one of those chase down tackles, and I think Uncle Robbo said he's just so fast. Yeah, and that's yeah. 
You don't that's, realize that's how fast a spectator he... sport within itself. It's just watching him lurk and then yeah. pounce. It's just... Kick up that gear. So good. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the Patreon player focus. So we're going to say adios to all the free listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. We appreciate your support. We'd love for you to go and give us a five-star rating, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. We really appreciate um, those five-star ratings. If you want to join the Patreon, you can. $3.50 US per month. You get extended podcasts. You get video versions of all the podcasts. And I've also been doing VFL coverage this season in the form of written work and podcast versions of that written work when I find the time. Until next time, go Cats! Okay, okay.